Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey, and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Sylvie D'Augusto, who is a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, author of The Image of Leadership and Fair Advantage, and founder of the How You Impress Mobile Learning Lab. So Sylvie, hello, and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Thank you very much, Tom. I'm so excited to finally be with you. I'm so glad that you're here. And just out of interest, whereabouts in the world are you right now? Um... So you find me in a sunny Tampa, Florida, Amazing. which means that behind the wall there is the ocean right away. And I recently exchanged cold winters in New York City, where I had the pleasure to live for 10 years to yeah. endless summers. Wow, amazing. You're so lucky. It's, it's very cold here in the UK right now, so I'm very jealous. <laughs> Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And I also know that you work with audiences all over the world, helping them master their first impressions and also un- to understand how their brand is perceived. Now, this podcast today is all about public speaking. So I guess my first question for you today is how important is public speaking for individuals when it comes to personal branding? Oh, absolutely important. Um, you, When you go out there and represent yourself as a professional in any environment, corporate or small business owner, people perceive you instantly uh, uh, based on your appearance, how you look, based on your behavior, how you interact, and based on your communication skills, how you yes. communicate with others. Mm-hmm. That includes speaking, public speaking and it includes how you apply your voice what word choices that you make uh, your language pattern uh, for example uh, but also the way how you speak and, and what messages you want to imprint on others not to forget we always think about public speaking is all about speaking uh-huh. but the most important part of communication is actually listening yeah. So even as a public speaker, you need to listen to your clients, to your audiences. Uh, you need to read the room and depending on that, adjust your public speech accordingly. Great. Yeah, because I guess if you're delivering an amazing presentation, but it's not relating to the audience, you kind of, yeah, you're in the wrong room, basically. Yeah, I understand mm-hmm. that. And and what about for yourself then? So. How important has public speaking been for you in your career to date? Well, it has actually been longer relevant than you might think Mm -hmm. because for nearly 20 years, I was on the other side of public speaking, meaning that I worked for corporations around the world in uh, human resources, talent development, leadership Mm -hmm. uh, development. And I hired speakers for my audiences. I was um, responsible for And nowadays, this gives me the advantage that I can see things from two perspectives, Mm -hmm. the perspective of being the client, but the perspective of being the speaker. So in the speaking business itself, I am since 12 years, the first two years, I did all the things wrong that any public speaker can do wrong, right? I'm going to ask you about that in just a minute. (laughs) 
And then it took me a while to adjust my message and adjust my brand and adjust my content and my delivery and my positioning. And today I'm very lucky and very privileged with the amazing clients and audiences I serve. I love that. And and I guess for new speakers and aspiring speakers listening, there will be a messy beginning. You know, you're not going to get it perfect first time and that's okay. Um, but let's go back to the beginning of your journey as a speaker. What were kind of some of the big lessons that you learned quite quickly? Mm-hmm. Quite quickly, I learned you cannot serve everybody. Yes. You know, at the very beginning, when clients or potential leads called me and said, do you speak about body language? I said, sure. Do you speak about communication? Sure. Do you speak about leadership? Sure. As long as you give me a check, mm-hmm. I'm going to about anything okay so that model didn't work out uh what you want to achieve is to be known for a specific subject matter expertise Mm -hmm. meaning if you tom tomorrow wake up and for whatever reason you are short in breath your heart is racing you start sweating and you obviously know that something is wrong with you and quite possibly with your heart mm-hmm. would you like to see a heart expert or a general doctor i'll go heart expert please yeah thank you <laughs> the same applies to stages right yes. so potential audiences or clients want to perceive you as the hard expert mm. that can solve their specific problem. And in order to do that, you need to find out what that specific problem is. Yeah. And I started very wide with, I'm a leadership speaker, and then I became a communication speaker, and then I became a, another speaker, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm down to the smallest element, which is first impressions. Nice. And that allows me to now put an umbrella over it and apply all my knowledge about first impressions in the area of emotional intelligence at work. Yeah, love that. Yeah, you found that real tight niche. And, and like you said, you know, you can become in demand. Uh, and I think one thing I did pick up on all of that is um, solving a particular problem for a particular client or, or audience member. I think that part's really important, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it is. Absolutely. And something else, especially for the beginning is, I find, as a speaker, do not hand out the medicine that you wouldn't take yourself. Mm, Yeah. Meaning, if you speak about mindset, you better work on your own mindset. If you uh, try to speak about physical health, I want to see that you apply those concepts yourself too, right? And I think that is also uh, a mistake that many make in the beginning that they are attracted to a topic because they suffer themselves and think by helping others to go through that suffering phase, Mm. uh, they can help the audiences. But you must work on yourself first. You must take the medicine that you plan to hand out. Yeah, yeah, completely understand that. That all makes a lot of sense. And one thing that you did say right at the beginning was that, um, you know, as long as they were giving you a check, you'd speak on the topic. And before that, was there a phase of having to speak for free as well? Did you have to go through that phase? Um, Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, speakers, we always have this hand and egg problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know we need a speaker demo video. 
Yeah. But when I do get a speaker demo video, if nobody hires me uh, to speak, yes. right? Or uh, there's, we know that referral business is important for us, but who would refer me if they never see me speak? <laughs> yeah. So especially at the beginning, I never spoke for free, mm -hmm. but I spoke without a check or money being involved. Yes, okay. Me Makes sense. Change to the fee that I require nowadays, I asked for something that is more valuable to me mm -hmm. than actually the money. Meaning, will you record my speech and provide me with the video? Will yeah. you give testimonials of yeah. at least four audience members? Uh, will you recommend me within your organization to at least three contacts? Will you bring in media or press? So there are so many things that are valuable to mm -hmm. us, especially at the beginning of your speaking career, that are way more valuable than a check or yeah. money involved. Yeah. And that is I mean by, yes, I spoke for free, but meaning there was something else exchanged than money yeah perfect makes sense and a lot of people listening to the podcast um they want to speak but they have fears of public speaking do you resonate with that did you ever have a fear of public speaking or were you always quite confident i don't think confidence is a key factor no to, yeah uh if if that is not your happiest place mm -hmm. on earth then I am not sure how happy you will return or walk onto every stage. Yeah. Uh, there are fears involved. So you will feel that over the years, for example, the fear of audience sizes kicks in. Mm -hmm. Very different than I thought. Today, I have zero problem in speaking in front of an audience of 1,000 people. But to be in a small room at a retreat with four or five executives and speak yeah. to them makes me really more uncomfortable, right? Yeah. So you might explore not fears, but things that make you more confident or less confident, more comfortable mm -hmm. or less comfortable. But here's the thing. The comfort zone is a very dangerous place to be anyway. Yes. It's very grow. So... If you fear public speaking, I question if public speaking is your happiest place to be. Yeah. But of course, we all have our comfort zones and non-comfort zones. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And, and if you are somebody that has a fear of public speaking but would love to get better at public speaking, you know, you do need to stretch that comfort zone by doing it. I think I made the mistake in my early days of reading every single book on public speaking, but still not actually public speaking. So therefore I couldn't stretch that comfort zone. I mean, and you know, there are ways to increase um, that confidence. There are trainer and coaches that can help you. Uh, there are organizations like Toastmasters that can yeah. help you. There are associations for speakers, like the National Association uh, of speakers here in the United States, in the UK is the professional association for UK and, and Ireland. So there are ways that get you more out and about into or introduce you to the industry and uh, introduce you to having opportunities where you can showcase your public uh, speaking skills. Yeah, perfect. So, so, so get out there, you know, practice, get used to feeling uncomfortable and, and yeah, keep, keep going from there. And obviously, 
the, the big takeaway for me is to really make sure you've got that niche, that thing where you can solve a problem, you can add some real value to the audience. <laughs> and quite a, I think it's still a topical question. So we've just been through a pandemic, which pretty much wiped out the in-person speaking industry. And yes. um, what, how, what was your take on that? How did you transition and, and what have you learned through going through that journey? Uh, going through that journey, I have learned that on the one hand, the world has finally, finally learned that we don't need to interact in person in certain cases and that yeah. there are methods, tools that help us to do that better. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, has also learned that there is a limit. There is a limit to this, right? That limit requires that now our in-person events are up and again and running and everybody is so excited to be in person again and um, also excited to go back and do some things more effectively on um, the computer. Yes. I have to admit that presenting virtually was a challenge for me because I'm a keynote. I'm not the typical trainer on a webinar. Uh, that has interaction. I'm a keynoter. So as a keynoter, you have nothing but a black hole in front of you, a camera. Yeah. Don't even see your audience. You don't hear them cough. You don't hear a chair moving around. You hear nothing. You are just by yourself. And that was very uncomfortable in the beginning, but obviously there was no other choice than getting used to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for that. And and then I guess, do you think that, so, so you mentioned that you know the, the world's finally caught up to the fact that we don't have to do everything in person. So, are we going to go back to all these big you know events where people travel all over the world to go to these these conferences, or are we going to be in a hybrid space? Where do you think it's going to go next? Um, I think that speakers, at least here in the United States, thought that hybrid will be a huge model in the future. Mm-hmm. So that conferences offer their audiences both outlets. But then our clients and event planners and meeting professionals realized that they are organizing two conferences Mm -hmm. at the same time (laughs) for the same budget, right? And realized it's way more complicated than we all thought and maybe wished it would be. So while my business in in person is fully back and even increased since the pandemic, mm-hmm. locations where I have to serve both audiences, virtual and uh, in person, are actually rare. And even if they are there, we kind of find a middle way to make it easier. We record something beforehand yeah. and then be played for um the audience or they just have to be live at the same time but yep. not for the entire conference yeah yeah okay so let's just see see where this one goes um because we're not sure how it's really going to play out yet but exciting times either way and um, i like to ask a question about big mistakes you know big kind of where you've tripped up in in your, in your career as a speaker so have there been any big turning points or mistakes or, or we could call them failures or, or learning lessons that you've had over the years and that you'd like to share well the biggest learning lesson i already shared with you is i need to niche niche yeah. i need to be known for something uh, on the market so that clients 
find me, find me the hard expert, mm -hmm. right? Rather than uh, have to go through a lot of general doctors. And I, I really think that that was my uh, biggest mistake that uh, I made. Um, I would encourage you to always keep in mind that you have to respect that stage every single time. When you go on a stage, enter it, yes, with joy and with excitement, uh, but also re with respect, because first and foremost, you are not there because of you, yeah. uh, but you are there because of them, mm -hmm. your clients, your audiences. Be easy to work with, uh, honor the work that the AV team does for you in the back, honor the work that all the meeting planners, the hotel staff, everybody involved does that you can be on that stage. Yeah, yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. And I guess it's it's a really good point of turning the spotlight off you onto the audience actually. And, and that takes away a lot of that that fear of judgment, fear of other people's opinions, fear of making a mistake, because it's not about me as the speaker. It's about the audience <laughs> and what value they're getting out of this presentation. Perfect. Uh one mistake that I want you to be aware of, especially yeah. if you plan to speak internationally, yes. be very careful since we addressed it in the beginning with your word choices. Yes. Depending on where you speak, bring cultural sensitivity with you, cultural awareness. Uh, don't use examples um, that are not applicable for the audience mm. that you speak. Be careful with your wording, especially when it comes to metaphors. Mm -hmm. You can't just translate one metaphor word to word into their world. It might mean something totally different, right? So again, respect your audience and prepare for any audience. But if you speak internationally, you need additional preparation for sure. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for that. And I got a couple more questions before before we close. I think the first question for me is really um if anybody's listening who is aspiring to, you know, maybe they're they're an expert, but they're not they're not a keynote speaker yet. So they're aspiring to stop doing their their job and they want to become a full-time paid keynote speaker. Have you got any advice for those people? I mean that transition. Mm -hmm. Don't quit your job. Yeah. Okay. Good. Mm -hmm. uh, don't don't do that too 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 fast. Yes. Wait until you have a cushion. Mm. The more cushion, financial cushion you have, the easier it will be for you to get started. Because the alternative is otherwise, we have a tendency to do everything ourselves. Yes. And you are very much biased by your own views, by your own views of the industry, by your own views about client, about your own views about your website, your social media. And if you have a cushion that not only allows you to uh, go through food and living costs for the next 12 months, mm -hmm. but also allows you to hire a few experts in the beginning that help you define your brand, that help you with your stagecraft, presentation mm -hmm. skills on a stage, uh, your start will be much better than if you just quit and hope magically tomorrow will somebody call and hire you um, a job on a stage. That's that's a really good point. And and I guess you can do both, you know, because ultimately 
one speaking gig per month could help you build up that cushion that you require to build a small team and, and become a keynote speaker. So yeah, great advice. And, and my last question today is, if somebody wants to book you as a speaker or find out more about you, where would they go? Thank you very much for asking that. Well, you go on my internet site or my website or type in my name, which is not the easiest um, um, on, on Google, but the reality is just type in first impressions and speakers. And if I don't show up, I have done a very bad job yeah. in my search engine optimization or you don't have internet. Those are the two options. I love that. And, and to help, what I'll do is I'll also put a link in the show notes so people can just click on that and find out more about you. So Sylvie, thank you so much again for your time today, coming along, sharing your story and such great advice with our audience. Thank you very much for having me. To all those who are listening or watching, I wish you all the best. It is one of the most rewarding professions you can enter, but it's also hard. It's sometimes lonesome. So I'm glad that you are in Tom's network and have first people to connect with. And if I can do anything for you, always feel free to reach out. <laughs>